It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop, And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You are listening to the Go Birds Podcast. Come on, Rip! Go Birds! What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Go Birds podcast. Elliot here. No James today. It is a solo edition of the Go Birds pod. James enjoying some much-deserved time off this week, as I hope a lot of you guys are. I feel like Christmas and New Year's is a time where a lot of people take off, uh, you know, enjoy the last little bit of the holiday season. Obviously, Christmas, as you know, best time of the year. A little sad to have it be over. Not as many Christmas movies in the house. The Christmas tree obviously still up. That stays up until at least New Year's, if not a week or two after. But the holiday cheer uh, kind of feels like it is also not there with the Eagles right now. Um, I want to get into a lot of different topics today that have kind of come up throughout the week since that win over the Giants. Um, a win that, you know, kind of par for the course, has not has not left people feeling great about where this team is at. So let's get into a few things um, that has happened since, since the game. Um, the first being the A.J. Brown thing. So for those that don't know, A.J. Brown, after the game uh, against the Giants, said he didn't want to talk, said, you know, if you, uh, you're paraphrasing, if he had nothing nice to say, he didn't want to say anything at all. And that kind of mirrored what a lot of players on offense said. Jason Kelsey, uh, you know, kind of talked about how there was still frustrating parts of the offense. Devontae Smith said he was not happy with where the offense was at. A.J. Brown, though, not talking um, created more attention on him, and it became it's now become a thing. So I'm recording this on a Friday morning. The Eagles had availability on Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, they have it as well later today. So it's possible by the time you're listening to this, AJ Brown has has talked to the media, but he did not talk Wednesday and Thursday, and that's kind of creating a bigger deal out of it than maybe it should be. So let let's attack this from a few angles. And the first one I'm going to go with is one that a lot of fans have brought up, but I don't hear a lot of other media members kind of talking about it, which is, do fans even really care if A.J. Brown talks? Like, is this only a big story to the beat writers and to the media members that are in the locker room, want to talk to him, want to get answers? Or do fans really just care like, hey, he's there on Sunday. He's one of the best receivers in the league. Obviously, the offense isn't playing great, but it's not like A.J. is you know, throwing tantrums in between each play or, or looking super upset on the field, does it even really matter if he talks? And I think it's an interesting question because on one hand, I don't really know if it does matter. Like, if he does talk, 
probably not going to tell us exactly what what is bothering him. Uh, I think athletes in all sports today don't really give full answers. It is what it is. They know if they give his honest truth about how he feels, it's going to get blown up and it's going to become a bigger deal. Uh, so on one hand, I'm not really sure if it matters if he talks. If he does talk today on Friday, he'll probably come out and he will probably say, hey, you know what? I was frustrated after the game. Uh, we all want to play better. I have a lot of faith we would, we'll be able to turn it around. But right now, the offense isn't playing great and, uh, and it was frustrating and I didn't want to talk about it. That's probably what he's going to say and the story will move on. So I understand the whole thing of like, leave AJ alone and don't force him to talk. I do get that from a fan's perspective. But I also think from the perspective of like what athletes do and what he said after the game, he did create a bigger story by just by saying, if you don't have anything nice to say, I, I, you know, don't say anything. He could have just talked after the game. Like Devontae talked after the game. Jalen talked after the game. Jason Kelsey talked after the game. Notably, Hassan Reddick did not talk after the game. Another player who has not yet talked this week. So I think AJ has brought this on himself a little bit. Like whether fans like it, whether we like it, whether players like it, talking to the media is part of their job. It just is what they sign up for. And when the team is struggling, like AJ is a captain on the team. I think that having him speak is important in that regard. To come out, say what's upsetting him, say you know what he thinks is wrong with the offense. Again, I don't think he's going to give us intricate details or, or truthful details on on what is the problem but ultimately by him not talking it becomes a story like I did a hit on WIP this morning they asked about it um you know I, I get tweets about it so I do think it would benefit AJ just talk just get it over with he's going to talk at one point it's not like that we're going to hear from him the rest of the season so I think that while I understand him not wanting to talk and he tweeted out the video of Kevin Durant where Durant says Basically, he just wants to show up, play basketball, and not talk to the media because he doesn't feel it's part of his job. Like, I understand that from AJ's perspective, but it just creates a perception that he's super upset. Now, I've been in the locker room twice this week. I've seen AJ Brown, and he does not look upset. It's not like he's, like, walking in, you know, head down, moping, like, not talking to anyone. I've seen him laughing it up with receivers. I saw him in Britton Covey you know, joking around yesterday. Like, he seems to be in good spirits. He even kind of, I feel like, is in on the joke of not talking. Like, he shows up in the locker room. He sees the big group of reporters waiting for him and then kind of smiles and, and you know, says he can't talk or, or whatever. So I think at this point, it's more about, like, him just not wanting to talk to the media than it is about him still being upset or, like, stewing around the Novacare. Is he happy with how things are going on offense? No, probably not. But, like, neither is Devontae, neither is Jalen, neither is Jason Kelsey. I don't think anybody on offense feels good about where this team is at, which is crazy because they just scored 33 points. They had almost 500 yards. I understand they're not playing perfect football. And from one perspective, you can look at it and go, you like the fact that they're not thrilled about where they are because they are turning it over a lot. They are having sloppy penalties. But I think AJ in a way kind of encapsulates what I feel about this team, which is like, I, I wish they would just kind of stop being so hard on themselves. Like, I, I think all year having fun has been a bit of an issue for this team. I think it's something Nick Sirianni has tried to work on and try to, like, make this team feel better about themselves. If you notice, uh, when Sirianni's talked this week, and he'll talk again today, he's brought up, like, there are a lot of positive things happening. They're going to have 2,000-yard receivers. Uh, Jalen Hurts is probably going to throw for 4,000 yards. DeAndre Swift is probably going to top 1,000 yards. Like, there are a lot of positives happening with the Eagles, and I think that sometimes the players aren't really internalizing it or or enjoying that part of it. And while it is good to be hard on yourself and it is good to have 
to, to know that you need to improve. I also think that it's good to like enjoy your job and it's good to, to feel like what you're doing, you're doing at a high level. I can speak for myself and I'm sure people out there feel this way. Like there's days where I go to the studio or go to record a pod. And if I'm feeling down, like I just don't do as good of a job. Or if I feel like I have a bad radio hit, like my next one, you know, it, it like impacts it. So I feel like with the Eagles, what they're going through a little bit is they have so much built up frustration that the littlest thing in a game, not to diminish a turnover, a penalty, but if one thing goes wrong in a game, the feeling just seems to be more of like, oh, here we go. As opposed to last year, it was okay. Like that happened. We're going to keep going. And I think Sirianni is sensing that. And I think that's why Sirianni's message this week, which is on top of, hey, they need to improve. There's no perfect game, all those things. Like he clearly is trying to say to this team, you guys need to to realize like what is happening. They have 11 wins. They're going to be a two seed. And in reality, the offense in some ways is better than it was last year. I know the eye test, quote unquote, maybe doesn't say that. But if you look at the stats, this year, the Eagles are going to end up facing four of the top five defenses in the NFL. Last year, the Eagles faced exactly zero of the top five offenses in the NFL. This year, they're averaging around 2.4 points per drive. Last year, they averaged 2.5, so roughly the same, and they still have two games to go against bad defenses. So it's not a stretch. In fact, it's probably a likelihood that they're going to end up averaging more points per drive this year than they did last year, despite playing way tougher competition. Now, people will say, well, they were up big last year, and they were running clock out, and there's truth to that. Absolutely. Like, the offense did look smoother last year, but also they were playing way easier defenses. I think it's interesting how with... Gannon, and I guess we'll talk about him in a minute, but with Gannon, you look last year and you go, oh, he played easy quarterbacks, and that's why the defense was so good. Well, let's be honest. The Eagles' offense didn't play tough defenses last year, but nobody ever brings up that's why Jalen had a good year or that's why Sirianni or Steichen or anything like that. So when I look at this year's offense, I look at a unit that is moving the ball up and down the field, that has had a lot of of quality big plays, and is just facing tougher defenses, so it's tougher. And not to mention when you face tougher quarterbacks, it makes it tough on your offense as well because the other quarterback is better at controlling the game. They're putting up more points. They're putting up more pressure on you. So they've just had a tougher go of it this year from a schedule perspective. And I think you can really see that kind of wearing on the team. And with A.J. Brown... I think he's a perfect example of it. Like, AJ's had an awesome year. There were a a long stretch of this year where he wasn't only in conversation for Offensive Player of the Year. Like, there was two or three weeks where he was, like, MVP consideration a little bit. He was never actually going to win it, but there were talks of it, right? Like, I remember doing shows on WIP, like, who's more important, Jalen or or AJ Brown? Like, AJ has had an awesome year. Has he had drop passes? Absolutely. He had some drops against Dallas. He's had fumbles. Like, there are, he's not played a perfect year of football. But if you told A.J. Brown before the year this was the year he was going to have, I think he would feel pretty good about that. If you told me before the year at this point the Eagles would be 11-4, and four, I would think that's a pretty good outcome with these two games. They're probably going to end 13-4. and four. And if you look at, you know, the trend of teams coming off losing the Super Bowl, I know I've said this on, on the pod before, but I think it's worth repeating. The teams that lose the Super Bowl go back to the playoffs the next year only 31% of the time. The Eagles are doing something that not many teams are able to do. They're going to win the division more than likely. No team has won the division in back-to-back years. They're going to end up with probably a top five or six offense. Extremely tough to do back-to-back years. You lose your coordinator, all those things. So I think that there's so much positive happening with the Eagles. And sometimes I feel like I'm a crazy person because I feel like I'm the only one that's pointing 
that that's pointing this out. But there really is a lot of good with this team. They have a real chance to win the Super Bowl. And the whole A.J. Brown not talking to the media thing, I think kind of encapsulates where this team is at. Like, no reason to be as frustrated as they are. You like to see frustration. You like to know that they think they can play better. But ultimately, I think this team should be, you know, deserves to be happier than they are. Like, I wish it for them. I wish AJ would, you know, feel better than he does because he doesn't deserve to be in a bad mood like this. He's had an outstanding season. Devontae Smith talked again yesterday and kind of reiterated. And I asked him, I said, look, you guys scored 33 points at almost 500 yards of offense. Like, like, what's the big deal with the offense where you guys feel so frustrated with it? And he brought up turnovers and, you know, all those things. So I think it's just like they know that they need to be better. But ultimately, I think one way that they will play better is to allow themselves to take a deep breath and just say, like, things are not as bad as maybe it feels. I think they will play better football. Just like when I'm in a bad mood before I do a podcast or before I do a radio hit, if, like, a little thing puts me in a better mood or, like, it, you know, I just, like, get out of it, I, I do better, like with anyone with their job. I think the Eagles right now need to stop being so hard on themselves. AJ needs to stop making such a big deal out of talking to the media. It's not going to be that bad when he does it. It's going to be simple. It's going to go quickly. Like Ultimately, this is a team that, to me, needs to just take a deep breath and stop being so hard on themselves. And I think that will end up helping them. Again, they beat the Giants. They get off the losing streak. It's Christmas. And the feeling in the locker room was like, it was tense. Like, people didn't seem very happy. Now, Jordan Mailata was on the Players' Lounge this week, and he said, like, they do have fun, and, and you know, the sideline doesn't feel like it's being portrayed. But when AJ doesn't talk, Hassan Reddick doesn't talk, who was involved in the dust-ups, maybe they're not, not the right term, but the bit of the shouting back and forth with Sirianni, like, when those guys don't talk, like, it just adds to the perception that things aren't okay. And I think from their perspective – it like makes a bigger deal out of it than it is. I think in in a little way, if they just kind of got it over with, they'd realize it's not going to be as bad as they think. So when I look at this team and what's happening this week with the not talking and the tension and all that, I think there's truth to it. Like, I think this is a tense group of players. I think there's probably like backroom fighting between guys. But ultimately, I think this is something that they're a little bit doing to themselves. Of course, pressure from the outside, but from both fans and media comes with this comes with being a great team expectations are part of it but ultimately I think if they take a deep breath and relax you're going to see this team go off on a uh, you know a, a playoff run that I think is really possible speaking of a playoff run I also wanted to get into what I think is I'll, I'll keep with the positivity look like I feel good about this team I'm not going to hide that I know that you know right now fans feel frustrated but I don't feel as down on this team as other people do like I think it's been pretty interesting this week, and I know we touched on it briefly in the, the postgame pod, but like the Niners got absolutely smacked around this week by, by the Ravens. And the Ravens, while as good as they are and as great as they are, they're certainly not like some unbeatable juggernaut dynasty. Like they're, They are a great team that's playing well, but they have not proved it in the playoffs. The Niners have not proved it in the playoffs. And what I think that game really hammered home for me is people are writing off this Eagles team way too quickly. If you look, if they win the next two games, and I think they will, we'll talk about the Cardinals in a minute, but if they win these next two games, they're more than likely going to be the two seed. I do think Detroit's going to lose to Dallas in Dallas. They're likely going to be the two seed. They'll have two home playoff games. They'll they'll avoid Dallas, although I think Dallas coming to Philly is not as tough as people make it out to be, but they'll avoid Dallas in the second round. And then they, you, you got to go to San Francisco. But when I look at the, the ability of this team to make a playoff run, although Jalen needs to play better and the turnovers are a problem, that third and 20 play to me really sticks in my head and should really be a reminder to Eagles fans of like why you can believe in this team. 
Ultimately, when the Eagles step on the field in the playoffs, they're going to have a better quarterback than the Rams, a better quarterback than the Seahawks, a better quarterback than the Vikings, a better quarterback than the Bucks, a better quarterback than the Lions. Have those guys played better than Jalen for stretches? Of course this year. Jalen has had rough stretches. But I don't think a single team, including those other teams, would take their quarterback over Jalen. And as simplistic as it is, Bottom line, when you have the better quarterback, you win most of your playoff games, if not almost all of those games. People like to say Jalen outplayed Mahomes in the Super Bowl. He really didn't. Like, Mahomes didn't turn the ball over, and Jalen did. Now, turnovers have been a problem for Jalen, and if they lose in the playoffs, as I said plenty of times, I think it'll be because of a timely turnover. But ultimately, what they still have over the teams that are in their way before San Francisco, and even San Francisco, like they have the better quarterback. As much as people like to say Brock Purdy, and look, he deserves credit. He's had obviously a great year, and I think he's proven he is above quality, like top 10-ish starting quarterback in the NFL. He had four turnovers in that big game. If you look at some of the big games Brock has played in, last year in the playoffs, he was okay against Seattle. He was not good against Dallas, and then obviously barely played against Philly. This year, the Ravens game, biggest game of the year, was terrible in that game. He was very good against Philadelphia, like deserves credit for that. That was a big game. He stepped up. He was awesome. But Brock's record in big games is is far from perfect. So if the Eagles go to San Francisco, the pressure will be on the Niners in that situation. The Eagles will be underdogs, if not heavy underdogs. I know people in Philly will believe in them, but the Niners, I think, will obviously probably be likely coming off a win over Dallas, assuming Dallas makes it there. I think that all the pressure will be on the Niners, and the Eagles get to go in as true underdogs. If you look at the Eagles, they still have one of the best offenses in the league. They still have one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And they are a team, last year I used to battle this out with James, that has proven playoff experience. Like, the Chiefs last year going into it had proven playoff experience. They'd played in a Super Bowl. And I think while the Eagles did not shy from the stage at all, it benefited the Chiefs that they were used to the halftime, that they had those experiences. The Niners are not a playoff-proven team. The Eagles are. The Ravens, not a proven playoff team. The Lions, the Cowboys, like the teams they'll play in the first round. The Eagles' playoff experience is a major benefit benefit for them heading into the postseason. So I think if they can have two quality games here to finish and they get some momentum going— People are going to feel a lot differently about this team, and I think they should. I think the Eagles, like I listed my top five teams today, I would go Ravens, Niners, Eagles third, Dolphins four, and then I'd still go Chiefs five just out of respect for Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. But I think people continue to underestimate what this Eagles team can accomplish, the players themselves. And watching that Niners game was a reminder that while the Niners are very good, they are not unbeatable. They are not a juggernaut. And anybody that's like wiping off this Eagles season simply because the Niners are good, I think are doing a disservice to the team and, uh, and, and what they've accomplished. So as we always do, I have to tell you guys about one of the, the family members of Go Birds. We've had them for almost, I mean, the full season now. And they've been a welcome addition to the Go Birds family, the real ones. Of course, I'm talking about Window Nation. And while winter may seem like a strange time to replace the windows in your home, Window Nation, today is the perfect time to do it. Because right now, Window Nation is offering you 50% off all window styles. Plus, you could even get 0% interest for five years. We've talked about this really since they've come on. 0% interest is simply bananas. And to get it for five years makes it even more ridiculous. With new energy efficient windows from Window Nation, you'll start saving money instantly on your heating bills and get rid of those annoying cold drafts that are letting your heat out. And in the summer, they'll keep that cool AC in so you'll save money all year long. Plus, 
Window Nation's professional installation means your windows will fit right and your home will be treated with care. With 50% off all window styles and 0% interest for five years, it's time to get Window Nation a look today. Let us show you all the options that fit your needs and budget. It's easy. Simply call 866-90-NATION. That's 866-90-NATION. Or visit windownation.com to get started. So always a good time of the year to get your windows fixed. It's been raining a ton recently. As you guys know, not a big fan of rain. I came down to the basement uh, after the big rainstorm. And although we've never gotten water in our house, there's always a little little piece of me that expects to come down and see water or leakage or something. And so we have a basement um, that's, duh, below ground. And there's a window, though, that like kind of looks out to, uh, I don't know how to describe it, but it's like a something. And you look out, and like when there's rain, window kind of uh, rain will pile up there a little bit. And uh, it's always nice to look and know my window's not letting the rain in. So quality windows matter, and it's important time to do it. So go to Window Nation. Tell them GoBird sent you. You can still tell Elliot and James sent you, even though James is not here on the pod right now. But tell them Elliot sent you, and uh, they'll hook it up as they always do. Hey, everyone. This is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So let's talk about this week's opponent with the Arizona Cardinals. So I think this is a little bit of a trickier game than, than definitely the Giants game. And here's why I think that. One, the Cardinals have talent on the roster that can make that can like change the game in one play. Now, I don't think they're a good team, obviously. And they have a really bad defense. I know that makes people happy because of Gannon. Like, the Gannon defense in Arizona has nothing to do with the Gannon defense in Philadelphia. I think pointing those things out is just silly. It's a completely different job. Gannon did a great job in Philly. In Arizona, it doesn't look like he's doing a great job from afar. I'm not there every day. I don't know about the culture. And like, it seems like they play hard. But ultimately, they only have three wins. So I can't sit here and say he's done a fantastic job. But here's some of my concerns with the Cardinals game. One, I think Kyler Murray is obviously way better than the quarterbacks that they faced on the Giants, both Tommy DeVito and Tyrod Taylor. And to me, the difference is, like, the Eagles are a team that keeps games close. We saw that, right? We saw that against the Giants. We've seen it all year. The Giants, while they made it close, they really didn't have any players on that offense that you were like, one play, he can make a big a big difference. Kyler is a player that I think over a full stretch is not going to put up a ton of points. And if you look since he's come back, I think they averaged 21 points, so it's not that big of a difference. But ultimately, he is someone that if like it's 17 to 14 late in the game and he has the ball and it's third and whatever, like he moves around, he makes plays, he 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 can create something from nothing. We've seen that in his career. So the concern with me with Kyler is if the Eagles keep this thing close, which they have done a lot all year, will Kyler make a play late to to you know? shock the Eagles. And I think he has the ability to do that much more than the last few quarterbacks they've faced uh, against the Giants. So one concern for me is definitely if the Eagles do what they do, which is keep things close, is Kyler going to make a play that could steal a win? I don't think the Eagles are going to lose the game, but the concern is the quarterback on the Cardinals is someone that is able to do that. The other concern I have is the Cardinals receivers, like, look, they're not C.D. Lamb or D.K. Metcalf or any of those guys, but they are small. They're fast. They're explosive. 
Um, they have great speed down the sideline. And one thing the Eagles corners do not have is speed. Slay is not going to play again this week. It's going to be Bradbury. It's going to be Keely Ringo. And Keely does have decent speed down the sideline, but he is not like an undersized uh, quick corner. He's more of a, a physical corner with, again, good speed for sure. But he, he is not uh, a super, super fast guy. We all know Bradbury struggles with speed. So we saw last week uh, Slayton's big touchdown. Uh, Reed took a really bad angle on that. The Eagles don't have a ton of speed in the secondary. Bayard's not that fast. Reed is not that fast. Avante might be back. I'll be interested to see how much he plays if he is. But he hasn't played in a while, so that's a concern. The concern I have with the Cardinals receivers is can they, are they going to have like three big plays that keep the Cardinals in this game? Because Bradbury, if I'm the Cardinals, and I'm sure every team's going to do this, but if I'm the Cardinals, I'm targeting – uh, I'm targeting Bradbury. Bradbury has struggle struggles with keeping up with speed receivers down the field. You saw that against um, against Seattle. You've seen it throughout the year. And the Cardinals have the personnel to make that an issue. So one concern I definitely have is Kyler can move. The passers hasn't been as good. Kyler keeps plays extended. The Cardinals have quick receivers. Eagles corners struggle to keep up with quick receivers. I can see a world where the Cardinals don't move the ball consistently, but of their eight drives, they get three touchdowns because they get you know four plays over 40 yards. Now, the Cardinals have not done a good job of making big plays this year, so maybe that's just not something they're capable of doing, but I think the personnel matchup with the Eagles is a tough one um, from, from a speed perspective. So that's a concern I have on the offensive side of the ball. In addition, Trey McBride, somebody I probably under underrated initially when I put out my rankings of the positions. Trey McBride is, you know, Zach Cunningham, I think is going to be back and that will help. But McBride has been a good option for them. We know the Eagles struggle against receiving tight ends. Um, oh, they did do a good, a good job against Travis Kelsey, but ultimately I don't think they have great personnel to match up with tight ends. So I think the Cardinals offensive skill players is not a great matchup for the Eagles personnel wise, including Trey McBride. The Cardinals, the one thing they do really well is run the ball. Um, I think they're third in the league right now in yards per carry average. The Eagles have been better against the run. They did a good job against Saquon, but they have not been a team in the past month or so that's been great against it. So if you told me the Eagles, uh, you know, kept this a close game, or I should say the Cardinals kept it close, it would be they run the ball to control the clock. They make just enough big plays because the advantage uh, they have at speed with receivers. And Kyler makes two or three Kyler plays. Like, I think that's the, the Cardinals' path on offense. On defense, the Cardinals' defense is really bad. Again, Gannon knows Hurts, so it'll be interesting to see how he plays Hurts, how he attacks Eagles from a blitz perspective. He'll know a good deal about how they pick up blitzes, and we know blitzing is something the Eagles have struggled with this year. So Gannon versus Sirianni slash Brian Johnson slash Jalen Hurts is going to be an interesting dynamic. What's hurting Gannon and what's going to help the Eagles is they just don't have a lot of great players on their defense. Their corners are not good. They're dealing with backup corners right now due to injury. Their pass rush, they don't have any one guy. Like, we've talked about teams this year that don't have a great pass rush, but they have, you know, one player, like an Aaron Donald or a Micah Parsons. The Cardinals don't have that guy. They have a bunch of guys that have three or four sacks that, you know, are capable of doing something. I think they're 23rd in the league in, in hurries or percentage of snaps with pressure on the quarterback, but they're not a team that gets consistent pressure. So I think that Jalen, you know, they'll probably blitz him a ton, although Gannon's still not blitzing in Arizona. I think they're uh, maybe 27th in the league in blitzing. So he's not a team that blitz. Maybe that'll be to the Eagles' advantage. Maybe he'll switch it up this week against the Eagles. But if Sirianni and Brian Johnson have a good game plan for what they think Gannon's going to do, and if the Eagles take care of the ball, which we know they should be able to do, although they've not done it a good job of it this year, if the Eagles can do all those things, 
This is a game to get some momentum going, and they really need momentum, like four or five drives in a row um, to get some things going. So I think the Eagles are going to win this game. I'm going to pick them to win it 27 to 20, simply because I've been burned too many times by thinking this team is going to put out a big-time win. I thought they would do it against the Niners. I thought they would do it against the Seahawks. I thought they'd do it against the Giants. So I'm not going to pick them to cover. I think it's around 10. But I am going to pick them to win the game. I feel very confident they'll win. But there are some some worrying concerns a little bit uh, about this Cardinal about this Cardinals team. So, thank you guys if you're still listening. As always, uh, you know I love you guys. Been feeling very thankful recently for uh, for being in Philly and being someone that gets to talk about Philly sports and and being in the job that I am. I think around all holidays you think about what you're thankful for, even though it's not Thanksgiving. It's the better version. It's Christmas. Um, I always feel thankful for that. So um, thank you guys so much. Um, We will be back with a post-game pod at one point. Obviously, it's New Year's Eve, so I don't think anyone's going to be listening to a post-game pod uh, after that Cardinals game. Hopefully, you're all out enjoying the New Year's. Uh, But we'll have one for you you know, relatively soon after that. And then look, let's be honest, like it's almost playoff time. The daily pods will start. They'll have that final Giants game. We'll see what happens uh, in terms of what that means. We'll get into all the different scenarios. But thank you guys for listening. um, And we will talk to you soon. As always, he's Elliot. I'm James.